listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Y'all can clap. It's all right. Man, I, uh, I was thinking, like, dude, I hope it's a long time from now. Uh, David, you can never leave, but Corbin, I was thinking, uh, dude, I, I hope that there's someone that you can pour into, though, though you could never be replaced after you leave, uh, but to be able to do what you do, I'm really grateful for you, man. Thank you for stepping up and serve. Y'all know Corbin, 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 Corbin serves in a lot of different areas, um, and this is just one, one of many, so grateful for you, man. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about tonight about college roommates, which I know uh, that should kind of be relevant to you guys, um, or at least having a roommate in general. Uh, I didn't have a greatest roommate experience. I love my roommate now. She's sitting in here where it's my wife. We're married. You didn't know that. Her name's Caitlin. Great roommate. Um, I, there's, there's like a, a, a one-year-old that is also, I guess, a housemate. She, she cries a lot at night and keeps us up, but she's pretty great too. Um, anyway, so I am looking at my freshman year uh, roommate. Second year was an RA, didn't have one. Third year, and also like the last year before Caitlin and I got married. So three different guys. And I would say that I, I like them. I en- enjoyed them. I think they, like, I didn't think that we had this, like, rivalry or this terrible thing. Like, I got to move out. Um, but one thing that I would say uh, y'all bear with me here, because I know this sounds critical. It, it, it kind of is. Uh, is that they were all lazy. That was like one theme that ran together. Uh, they, were, they were all lazy. And I think it was kind of God's way of, of wanting to sanctify me because there's like f- certain things that maybe like frustrate or like trigger me a little bit. And I think just via my personality of being passionate, kind of intense, kind of aggressive, aggressive or not kind of, maybe a lot, you, I'll let you decide. Uh, really someone that's lazy, I saw that, uh, someone that's lazy um, or kind of apathetic or dispassionate is like the exact opposite of me. And for some reason, it just rubs me wrong. And so uh, I, I remember my first year roommate, here's kind of a, a caricature of something that he did. So he was so lazy that... Um, where he sat on our futon, one, he made like a permanent like little space, like a little hole that was just where he sat. So he ruined our futon. But two, where he sat while he watched TV most of the day um, was a spot that where my food, my food was closer than his food. And so uh, only by about two to three feet. And so what his name was Dylan, what Dylan would do is he would eat my food instead, even though it was only two to three feet more. And so uh, one day, he uh, grabbed one of my Quaker Chewy bars, which was a no-go. You don't do that. Um, and he was like, hey, bro, can I have one? And I said, dude, you got like two boxes of Cliff Bars like right there. He's like, yeah, I know, but they're all the way over there. And I was like, okay, anyway. And so long story short, Dylan ate my Chewy Bars, and that's been 10 years ago, and I still remember it. So talk about it. Um, second roommate, second roommate, his name was, was Trace. Um, Trace was, it was a good guy. Um, he had this propensity to stay up until 3 a.m. every morning, like, like clockwork. He would stay up till 3 a.m., not studying, just, just staying up. And so I would be in bed way before him, like, like 11 a.m. probably, like 11 p.m., sorry. And uh, like, a.m., bro, what are you sleeping? And so Trace's thing was he would 
every single week, at least once, he would miss his 9 a.m. class. I mean, every single week, it never failed. And so he had a 9 a.m. on like Monday, and it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Tuesday, Thursdays. And so he was gonna miss one. And I, this is really mean, I know. After it happened a certain amount of times, <laughs> I would already be up and I knew that he was still asleep. And I would, <laughs> it's just so bad. I would let him miss his class. But what he'd do is he'd wake up at like 9.05, like he could still run in and be late and he would just scream, dang it. And then he would go right back to sleep until lunch. And so he did it like clockwork every single week at 9 a.m. He missed his class. And so moving on to the, to the last roommate, uh, his name was, was Michael. He, he was a good guy, but like Michael had this really, I wouldn't say obsession. He had passion for all things media. Like he was constantly absorbing something like some type of movie, some type of TV show. I did get him into the office, which was a major feat uh, for that roommate relationship. But it would be like, I would leave in the morning. He would be watching something. I'd come back at night, he'd be watching something. I'd go to sleep. I'd be watching something. It was kind of all day. And so none of these things I would say are explicitly bad. Um, but there is a judgmental side of me. It must be like, they're lazy. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever had like a lazy roommate or if you are the lazy roommate. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so here's where I'm going with that. As much as I want to like be judgmental towards that, here's, here's something really interesting. There's actually, there's actually a lot of hypocrisy in that because there are, there are things that even myself, I can be like sedaziquin, I can be apathetic. I can even have times of absolute laziness, maybe even seasons, you could say, long stretches of time. And specifically, what I want to talk about tonight is how that can actually invade probably the worst area of our life that we would want to be laser apathetic in, and that's actually in, in our faith, like in our, in our walk with God. And so as, as much as I want to be hypocritical, I have to confess, I see that, even as I was studying this week, sorry, even as I was studying this week, I saw areas in my life where I was like, man, that's, that's something that I can struggle with sometimes. And I, and I wonder if maybe some of you feel that way. Maybe summer is a good time to hit on that because I don't know if you're anything like me, but like during like college, young adult years, summer was a time where you like check out, right? Like you literally, if you can use your brain as little as possible, you will do that, right? And so you don't want to do anything. You don't want to think about anything. Poor Charlotte, she's in nursing school. It doesn't apply to you. And Sabita, I'm so sorry. For those of you that are actually like studying a lot right now, I'm so sorry you're in this class. But uh, for some of us in the room, summer was a time to check out. Anyway, I'm betting some of you in this room can relate to that. You may be in it now. There may be a season. You may have a tendency to lean towards that. And so the question I ask in that is, so what, what do we do about that? When we kind of, uh, an old school term that can be used is backsliding. What, what is the encouragement from Scripture for the Christian that struggles with being lazy and apathetic? Like what is a go-to kind of verse that might in inspire those that are uninspired to sort of get back in and, and plug in and, and engage with the Lord and walk with him or something that you can hold on to that some you're not struggling with tonight but, but later? And, and I'm so glad that you asked that question because we're gonna answer that question. So y'all turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're gonna be... In verse 
I'm going to start in verse 9 and read up to verse 11 because we covered verse 9 and 10 last week. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I'm going to hold off there and cap it right there. And so last week we talked about the importance of having genuine love. And we talked about how the word for genuine is, is like anti hypocritical is what it actually means. And uh, in, in ancient times, they would call actors hypocrites because they would wear masks that would portray what? It would portray a false image, right, of who they actually were and also conceal what was actually going on. So it's not, a, it's not enough just to make sure people don't see what's really going on. They actually portray something that's totally false. And that if that's the way that you love God and you love others, the Bible call that ingenuine. And so um, it calls us to uh, genuine love with, with brotherly uh, affection, outdoing one another and showing honor. And here we get into this little quick bit in verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. And Paul kind of keeps doing this. If you notice as you read it, it's like all these little things he keeps rattling off. It's like characteristic, and, and, and that's why it calls it marks, calls it marks of the true Christian. And so I want to ask you guys, if we jump in verse 11, you, you guys kind of help me out in tonight's teaching. Um, Several people just fire off answers. Okay, if it's the same one, what, what would you say the word slothful means? What does slothful mean? Slow? Weak? What'd you say? Lazy? Yeah? That's like purpose of the introduction, right? Yeah, you see where I'm going. Say it again? Not driven. Oh, I like that definition. Yeah. Not driven. Hey, that's good. So here's, here's something, I, a few things I saw very similar to what y'all said. Hesitant to act, lazy, reluctant, dragging one's feet. Okay, that's good. And so, by the way, what we're doing is we're looking at different words and like, hey, let's define them. What, what do these mean? Someone, someone else help me out. A few more people. What is zeal? Fervor. Ah, there you go. Yeah. What is Fervor. Okay, passion, excitement. If I'm zealous for something, is that just another word for jealous? What does that mean? Dang, that, that dude's zealous over there, whoever that is. <laughs> the boy's getting it, man. I want to be his friend or her friend, sorry. <laughs> what is zealous? If you're zealous for something, what does that mean? <laughs> what? Passionate? Yeah, I like it. Okay, so here's the quick definition. Y- y'all, y'all nailed it. Quick, quickly obeying what the Lord reveals is his priority. Um, this is kind of a commentary. It says, this elevates the better over the good. The, the, y- y'all see that? There's good things you could do, but when you're zealous, you are tuned into the greatest thing. The more important over the merely important. And this person who's zealous, it says it does so with earnest swiftness or intensity. Now I said, I'm naturally intense. And so I, I like that definition. It's good. doesn't mean you have to be exactly like an intense person, but that's good. Okay. So we put those definitions together. Someone help me because it says, do not be slothful in zeal. So what is, what does that mean? Someone, someone just go for it. Say it one more time. Sorry. Yeah, don't be lazy in pursuing the things God prioritizes. Yeah, that's perfect. Caitlin Mercer, everyone. <laughs> there you go. 
Awesome. So let's take a, take a whack at it. They're like, not after that. <laughs> yeah. I won't force you to. So slothful and zeal, very, very great. Uh, a commentary said this, this is dragging one's feet and never seeming excited or sensing an urgency to serve the Lord and being intensely devoted to the cause uh, of the gospel. It's, it's the opposite of that. It's slothful and zeal. Um, okay, very good. We're gonna keep going through. This is like, uh, not vocabulary class, it's like English class definitions time. Hope you're feeling nostalgic. And so here's the next, so do not be slothful and zeal, but be fervent in spirit. So now we need to, to define that because I don't know about you guys, I don't use the word fervent every day. Like, man, this breakfast was fervent. You know, I don't, I don't say that. I don't even know if that would be appropriate, but I don't say it anyway. Um, so what, is, what does that mean? Use the word fervent. What, what does fervent mean? Okay, intense. Someone Google it. Just kidding. I'm just joking. Intense, anyone else? Fervor? Man, that, that, that sister in Christ, she has, some, she has some fervor. You know what I'm talking about? That's in a sentence. <laughs> Anybody? You are very lively tonight. So fervent, literally, I'll take this out, literally to... Um, look at the language being used here to, to boil or to be hot, to show great zeal, um, to be intensely passionate about God, right? Did y'all laugh when I said hot? I bet you did. All right, so, and then you have fervent in spirit, okay? Y'all, y'all see that? Let me ask you a question. Where it says be fervent in spirit, um, does y'all's version have like a lowercase s on spirit? Yeah, yeah, pretty much everybody. Is there a little footnote there? It's like Bible study time. It's good. Do y'all have like a footnote next year's? So in, in mine, this is like what happens in Cole's office some, on some days. I was like, what does this mean? And so I saw this footnote and it, and it says, or fervent in the spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but those seem like two different things. And so like when spirit is lowercase, it's like general mood or outlook on life. He has a good spirit about him or she has a good spirit about her. Like that, that's good. Or in, in the spirit, you can say the spirit, in the spirit of prayer, not capital S, they went out. So I'm like a general attitude or outlook or maybe the way you're impressed to act. But if it's capital S spirit, that's different, right? Like that's something, I don't know if you're thinking that way, that's something I would want to lean into and tune into a little bit because I've never um, really noticed this or even if I have, I've never dove into it because if the Holy Spirit of God is involved in this passage, what that means is several things, but one of them means is that there's got to be power being um, at, at hand. There's got to be power at hand if we heed this, if we obey it. And there's got to be something to where the, the actual physical presence of God via his Holy Spirit is wanting to manifest in our lives if we tune into what this means. And so I did some searching about what this means and probably the best really thick that would be boring to most people commentary. It's a little about that thick on Romans. Dove into it. Hey, what's being said here? The predominant view of a guy named, his name's Douglas Moo. Um, and what he quoted was, is they think it actually is supposed to be, be fervent in the spirit of God or literally how it could read. I'll tell you this, that's so cool. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to set you on fire with devotion and zeal. Is that not cool? Like, is that not cool? Like, allow the Holy Spirit to set you on fire? Are you serious? Like, not physical fire, y'all. Like, picturing a, it just got, had fireworks. I don't know um, if you had a bad experience. I'm talking about that type of fire. Metaphorically, spiritually speaking, the life that God is calling into, that's, that's even a command of Scripture, wants you to burn with zeal and passion for God. It's actually a biblical concept. That's not just a song with repeated lyrics that, like, that was, that was written that we just sing mindlessly. It's actually a biblical idea. And so how do, how do we serve the Lord? That's probably the last question. And I would say, I'll ask, answer it for you. I would say there's a lot here, friends. There's a lot here in what we just defined that helps us answer that question. I think the Lord God used the Apostle Paul to tell us do not be lazy in your faith. Do not be apathetic. Allow the Holy Spirit to set you on fire with zeal and passion, not so that everyone can look at you and think, wow, they are on fire. No, no, no. But that that fire inside of you might be used to actually stoke and direct the attention of people towards the Lord. Therefore, you use that to serve him. I think that serve the Lord is not randomly placed. I think it's so important. And so it's not a, hey, I'm on fire for the Lord. Look at me. It's a, I'm on fire for the Lord that I might humbly serve him. And so back, back to the question, what encouragement does scripture give us to help combat the tendency that we have to be lazy, apathetic, without passion for God's glory? The answer is, the encouragement is to allow the Holy Spirit to set us on fire with a passion to serve him and a zeal for his glory. In other words, God being glorified, the way God has designed it, his glory is foremost in your mind's attention and your heart's desire. This is one of the marks of a Christian. If we sacrifice, this is something that we're not demonstrating well, what we're actually doing is we're robbing ourselves of experiencing the, the amazing privilege of being able to actually reflect God's image best. Because you know what? God is zealous, so to speak. He's not, it's not selfish of him to do it. He is zealous for his own glory because to give glory to anyone else would be a cheap God. It would be a lie. And so we reflect God's, God's image best by being this way. Because there's actually a lot at stake. Paul says, but use this to serve the Lord. I think he's thinking of the Corinthian church. What was the Corinthian church's problem with their gifts that they were given, their spiritual gifts? Anyone know? Someone take a shot. Yeah, that's right. They were taking the gifts of God and they were saying that some gifts are higher than others. And you know what that's a symptom of? making the gift about themselves. <laughs> and so this is really, really important. Before we go any farther, where we're going to go is not about you. It's not so that everyone can look at you. It's about so much more. It's a matter of how you're serving God. And so Paul is calling them to allow the Holy Spirit to spiritually set them on fire that they might serve the Lord and have, it might be indicative that they're truly Christian. So I wanna, I want to share something. I shared with a few girls in the back before. So last Thursday night, I had a few 
of the uh, first year incoming uh, freshman over to my house. We had Cane's chicken. I ordered way too much in typical Baptist pastor fashion, way too much food. I like three times the amount of food we needed, of course. Uh, and so I had lots of leftovers. I tried to give it to them. They wouldn't take it. And so um, we, <laughs> we had some leftover French fries. And, and I don't know if y'all have had experience with leftover french fries, but like, you know, McDonald's, I know what to expect, right? Like those, y'all know those aren't real potatoes, right? Those are, have y'all seen them turn cold? Put a french fry underneath your car chair and three years from now, go look at it. It looks the same, guys. Like it's not real food, all right? It's not. That's why they have to keep it hot. That's why when it turns cold, like it turns into something like ungodly, all right? And so, so I know that about McDonald's. I know that about McDonald's. But Cane's, I'm like, can y'all agree Cane's is on a different level, kind of? I really, okay, wow, okay. Wait, well, this is pause. So I'm not actually getting the consensus, I thought. So is like Chick-fil-A better than Cane's? Okay, we have Christians, we have Christians in the room. Okay, good. Um, so, but like McDonald's, Cane's, Chick-fil-A, is it at least that? Okay, I'm at least tracking. And so, these fries, y'all, I mean, honestly, you see me, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm pretty excited about the leftover fries, right? So I put them in the microwave, get some ketchup out, put some extra salt and pepper on them. Um, guys, once those fries go cold, even if I try to warm them back up, they're, they're, they're done. Like, they're just, they're so nasty. Like, Caitlin wouldn't even eat them. I just finally threw them away last night. Like, I, I really tried, guys. I put them in the oven. I was like, I'm going to get them all crispy. Like, I'm going to revive these fries. They were terrible. They were absolutely awful. And so we threw away a bunch of food is what uh, one confession I'm saying. But the other is, um, like a lot of food, um, whenever, like, French fries or potatoes in general, unless they're in good potato salad from Evie Mays, um, they're not good. A lot of food that's designed to be hot, once it goes cold, it's not good, right? Y'all track with me? It's good for nothing. And so I, I want you to picture <laughs> stupid French fries and how useless they are when they're cold. And I want to translate something. I don't want to say, use the words that we are useless. I think that's a little harsh. I think it's unfair. I wouldn't say we're, you're good for nothing if you're not fervent and zeal for God. But, but what I would say um, is that I know God's ultimate purpose for us. And, and in God's mind, I, I'm, I'm guessing he's thinking like, man, it really is hard to use them when they're this apathetic. Like I want, I have so much that I want to do in their life, but they are just slothful in, in their zeal for me. And so in, in, in a sense, if that's where we stay, God loves us in, in Christ. His grace and mercy is on us. Um, but, but using us for his glory, the opportunity to be used by him, that's a, that's a totally different thing. Do you see that? And so very much when we stay in this place, uh, what cold potatoes are to, to, to Cole's appetite in mouth, so is an unfervent Christian for the use of God's glory. Y'all mind if I take a drink real quick? Let me take a drink. How many of you have ever, how many of you ever had a camp high? Camp high, ever been to like a high school camp, middle school camp, had a camp high? How about a, in here, college retreat high? Yeah, fall retreat high? 
Yeah, you come back, you know what I'm talking about? Get over in the mountains. It's like all of a sudden God is more present when you're in the mountains, right? Unless it's the elevation, like I don't know. But like you get in the mountains and you're like, woo, Jesus, let's go, right? And you're so excited. That was a joke. I don't think God's closer anyway. Um, and so <laughs> some looks in this room, guys. I'm, I'm not serious most of the time except for right now. Um, <laughs> but, but you get this, this camp high. And so some of you, you're, you're thinking, you're here like, no, no, Cole, you don't understand. Like I am fervent. I am fervent in spirit. I'm on fire for the Lord twice a year. And I, I hear you. And, and as I examine that, and I even see that in my own life, I think if it's a short-term fire, that, that's kind of like the guy who doesn't know how to make a, a, a campfire, who, who brings like 10 containers of lighter fluid. You know that guy? Like, and just gets, and like sets the fire on it. And then like it burns for a few minutes and it goes back away. And then the guy's like, like putting it back on. I said, the dude doesn't know how to make a fire. It's very short-lived. It's up a huge burst and then it goes right back down. And I thank God that's not what really God is calling us to. That's what, I, what I'd liken it to. Those are good things. Those are good experiences in life. But if it's a fire that goes out, I don't think that's what he's, what he's talking about. And some of you would say, I do try to get excited for the Lord. I do want to have fervor. I do want to have passion, but it doesn't last very long. Like you would agree, like my fire burns out really fast. So, so you're seeing the idea of it's not good to go from event to event to event, or even maybe even on, on Sunday to Sunday or Tuesday to Tuesday. Like you see that in your life. You're like, that's probably not a good long-term plan, but you admit I want to be passionate. I want to be on fire, but I actually can't keep it up. Eventually I just sort of fall off, right? I sort of fall off the edge. I think sometimes what we try to do is when you hear fire, this is gonna be confusing, y'all bear with me. I think you think of like a wildfire. Like you think of this just out of control, like massive, powerful, just burning thing that's supposed to be like happening inside of you. Like to literally like you're, you're out of control. Maybe you picture this like really extroverted, like prototypical, like person that's great for working at summer camps. It's just like, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? That's like that all the time. And that's good. That's a place for that. But that's the image you have. And, and if you've ever worked at a camp, you know, that's not sustainable because you, you get to the end of the day and you, you, you die basically every single day. Um, and so even in that, I would say we, we are so driven sometimes what we're, what you're picturing is high emotions and high experience and all these great feelings to accompany what, whatever you're doing. And as soon as we're not getting those, we get unexcited or discontent. And so I want you to lean into this. What I think in reality, I think God is not calling us so much to be like a wildfire. I think he's calling us to be more like a campfire. Okay, so here's, here's what I mean by that. I want you to think about a, a campfire. We go out camping, got it in the, in the fire pit. And so it's, it's control, it's powerful. It brings heat, but, it, but it's controlled. And let's just be real, like, you can put some s'mores over a campfire, you know what I'm saying? And it's purposeful if you actually need it, if it's not just like something that we do at like retreat and then go to like, an, like a heated room afterwards. But if you actually need it outside, it keeps you warm through the night. It has a, it has a purpose and it's a slow burn. Put, put in a log every now and then and you can keep that thing burning. So still powerful, but a lower flame. But a wildfire, I don't know about you, I, I'm not, you're insane if you're trying to cook s'mores with a wildfire, right? You, you see stories about California or areas where that happens, Colorado, where those happens up in, in, in the mountains area, like we were in South Dakota, and we saw 
like the, the potential, like I was just looking, I was looking with, with Hunter Peterson and we were talking about like, hey, if a fire did start here because of all the, like the dead trees and stuff like that, like it's gonna, it's gonna be really bad. And so when you, when you see wildfires happening, they are powerful, but man, they're, they can be destructive. They can sometimes be put under control, but they're ultimately not beneficial. And, and I think for some of us, we, we get these bursts of, of energy in the Christian life. Like, we, like you're set on fire and you're like literally out of control and you think that's good. But sometimes when we're like that, what we do is we damage others because we're on such a high mountaintop. We judge and become self-righteous of others that aren't there with us. And then that's the damage you can do to others and be judgmental. And then when you come back down from that, that's what you think the Christian life is supposed to be. And so when at any time, at any millisecond that you're living and breathing where life doesn't look like that, you feel guilty. You think, oh man, I just gotta get back to that point. And I would tell you that that's destructive because no one can sustain that. Not every day is supposed to be a mountaintop experience. Sometimes you wake up and you change your daughter's diaper <laughs> and and you, you play with her and you, you hang out with her all day and then you eat and then you go to sleep and that's what God called you to do. That's what serving the Lord with, with fervor looks like. That's my life, by the way, if you don't know me very well. And so it doesn't bring God much glory when, when one day we're just burning out of control and the next day we're just smoke and ashes. I think God is looking more for that campfire, that day in and day out, slow, consistent burn that's powerful, but it has purpose, it's control. Y'all tracking with that? Y'all see that? Some of you in the room are, are, are the opposite of this. Maybe not always, but in some seasons, you're saying, hey, I don't really get excited about things, Cole. Like, I, it's just not in my personality. Like, I'm more chill. I'm more laid back. Yeah, I'm kind of naturally cynical, but, like, I, I think that I'm, I'm happy. Like, my posture is not... Uh, it's fervorous a word, let's just say it is. I don't, I don't have that type of posture in life. I just don't generally get excited. Like I'm chill, I'm laid back, I'm even killed. And so I would say, hey, that's great. And, and praise be to God, like God's, God saves the, and uses the introvert too, right? Like it's not, uh, Christianity is not only like an extrovert sport, all right? And so God wants to, to use different personalities and those things like that. But, but here's the thing I thought about. I once knew a guy where I, I promise you, like I, I could not do anything to get him excited. Like he fit this, like not, didn't really get passionate, excited about much, doesn't really show a lot of emotion. Like I was trying everything. I probably could have offered him a million dollars and he wouldn't have smiled. Like it was so hard. He just didn't show a lot of emotion and expression. Um, and, and this was a while back, but I remember uh, I've been playing disc golf for a long time and I, I brought up disc golf and, and all of a sudden the switch turned on. Man, I've never seen him smile like that. I've never seen him get excited and passionate. Like he knew so much about it. Like, we, like he wanted to play. It, it, was, it was crazy. And so what I would say to that is like every person, the way we're, we're wired, I, I know you, you, some of you want to be that person. I just don't really get excited. But we all have something that does get us excited and we're passionate about. And so what I'd lean into and ask you is why would... <laughs> Why would disc golf get you more excited than getting to spend time with Jesus, right? I'm not saying that to be mean, but it's something to think about. But the way God has wired you, no, you don't have to be extroverted, this crazy person. But man, 
if we're operating in, in the beauty in which he's wired us, we're, we're genuinely passionate and excited about being a child of God, getting to worship him, being to be used by him. And some of you maybe are feeling like this. I feel like I'm not all the way burnt out, but I'm, I'm a really low little flame. Y'all, y'all seen those pilot lights on those like ovens? You know what I'm talking about? Some of them are underneath the oven, some of them in the like, oven in the kitchen is like right in the center. It's really small, it's really, really low. And, and so you, you feel like that and it's not, it's not the campfire. It's to be honest, that little, little flame. It's not the song, this little light of mine, right? It's, it's, even, it's even smaller than that little light. And you would say you're not really good for much. Like you're not totally dead in your faith, but your fervor, your passion is so little. And you're saying like, what do I do? Because I don't want to stay in that place. And here's what I'd say. And so I, I, I've been here. I think, I think my default, guys, my default, that wildfire that I was talking about, unfortunately, that's where when passion and zeal and intensity and aggression towards a common goal you're wanting to accomplish unchecked and with some little bit of bad motives put in, you can become this wildfire that does damage to others unintentionally and to yourself. I, I tend to, my default is either that or that low flame. And I hate that reality because it's like hot and cold. I can see that. When I'm not actually operating in the Holy Spirit, when I'm not actually abiding in Christ, that's where I go. And it looks good for a little bit. It looks like it, but eventually coal is gonna crash and burn if I don't allow the Lord to put that in check. Y'all tracking with me? And so some of you, that's how you feel that, but you're, you're kind of one or the other, but in that small flame, this is what I'd tell you if that's you. I mean, one thing I've been doing is praying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We did it last week in, in, in our prayer. Because the, the fire and fervor that you want to have for the Lord, you know what it looks like? You know how it manifests? It doesn't manifest in, in becoming uh, this rock star Christian that everyone knows, their name, whatever. It manifests in a fervent love, a fantastic joy in the gospel, a surpassing peace, love, joy, peace, the first three fruit of the Holy Spirit. A, a patience that seems to override aggravation. A, a, a kindness that seems to override and, and take over in you whenever the other person or other people deserve probably harsh words, but you speak kindly anyway. Goodness in a world gone bad. Faithfulness when no one can actually be faithful and make any sort of commitments that are real in the modern day. That's what it looks like. And gentleness Anger dissolving gentleness as you speak to others, maybe words that will not be words that they want to hear, but words that you know you need to speak, but in love. And this is a beautiful moment where the Holy Spirit comes down and uses your words and reveals your love for them. And then self-control, man, self-control, that's when you're burning with fervor for the Holy Spirit, that's actually what God is going for. He wants you to bear that fruit in your life. He wants you to, in your different ways and how you're wired, ponder and think about how you might share the gospel with the lost person in your life, a family member or a coworker, wherever that might be, that it might manifest in 
having lunch or coffee with someone that, to, to learn about their story and to be able to share God's story with them. I'm gonna ask if uh, Corbin and, and David would come up. Um, as I say, overall, and, and how we're thinking about the, the, this fire the Holy Spirit gives, and I don't wanna be vague, I don't wanna be too subjective because I know that makes some of us uncomfortable. But whatever your natural objection is to that, you may not be arguing with me right now, you may be on, on the same page, but it's when you get in bed tonight, when you wake up in the morning, what objection are you gonna have to what we looked at in scripture tonight? And you're gonna have a lot of tendencies. You're gonna, maybe it's to, to go crazy and just, I'm gonna read the whole Bible in a day, you know, or something like that. And, and maybe it's to like just give up already. It's like, I've tried, I'm not gonna do it. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle, but I'd say whatever it is, be that campfire. Don't be the pilot light, don't be the wildfire, be that campfire. I think lately, actually I know lately, something that God has been trying to show me in very, very clear words, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard reality, but I wanna share it with you because I, I think it may be purposeful in order for you to be encouraged, is he basically told me, Cole, you can't keep up the pace that you're running if you wanna do this much longer. Isn't that crazy? Like God just like, bam. He just told me, you, you can't keep going like this. You can't, you're zealous, you're passionate, but you, you're not made, you can't run marathon distances at sprint speed. Like no one does that. That's really dumb, by the way, if you're planning on doing that, don't do that. John, you're doing a race here, don't, don't do that. And so what I began in conversation with, with Caitlin and, and how, this, how this, I think, passage is affecting me and is sometimes you gotta change up your rhythms. You gotta ask yourself, how is a way, what is a way that I can posture myself? How can I live to where when I'm, Lord willing, 80 years old, 85 years old, whatever I'm doing, my knees are probably messed up, probably in a wheelchair, who knows? But when I'm 85 years old, God looks at me and he sees that faithful campfire it's still burning. It's still, it's still going through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yeah, there may be times where I get to look back in my life and like, man, that was, that was a crazy season. Maybe that fire was a little bit bigger. Maybe it was a holy moment of putting some lighter fluid on every now and then, so to speak. I'm speaking in metaphor, all right? But that's, that's what I want. I, I want the long race. I want longevity. And I don't know if you've felt that way. I don't know if you've ever felt like I can't keep going. And it may be like, you've already slowed your pace and it's like, life's still crazy. I don't know where you're just keep trying to run you. You busy yourself with so many things. And I've, I've been there. I've done that. And it's a thrill. It's, there's an adrenaline rush to make yourself God and pretend that you can do everything. I'm just going to let you know. I hope you listen to me. I'm not that much older than you, but I'm almost 30. Stop trying it. <laughs> it doesn't work. And praise be to God, he spoke that to me early on <laughs> before I hit the big 3-0. And I'm seeing that. I was like, hey, I need to evaluate that. What pace am I running at so as to run the long, faithful race to fulfill the calling that God has given to me? Not only the calling that all of us have to worship him, to love him, to proclaim his name, but even the calling to be your pastor here.
So be, be a campfire, not a wildfire. And allow yourself to get fired up, not by all the other things that people are fired up, but allow yourself to get fired up by the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Because that's a fire by the power of God and his will and how he's designed it that cannot be quenched. Amen. We're about to sing a song of response. I don't normally do this, but as I was looking at the real meaning of verse 11, to be fervent in spirit, literally allow the Holy Spirit to set you on fire. You know what I thought? I thought that reminds me of a song. <laughs> it reminds me of the song that goes, set a fire down in my soul, a flame that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Now here's the thing, here's what's weird. We just talked about, we don't wanna be that wildfire, right? <laughs> I'm gonna give the writers the benefit of a doubt. I don't know if they were looking at Romans 11. I have no idea. But I know the core of what we're gonna sing is actually biblical. What I think what they mean by set a fire that I can't control is it because ultimately what God wants to do in your life is not under your control. I think what they're asking is, Lord, um, amaze me, set me on fire and amaze me with how wonderful this life is and how amazing it can be if I have fervor in you, if my passions and my heart's attention, or sorry, my mind's attention and my heart's desire are set on you, amaze me and overwhelm me. I think, I think that's what they're getting at. So they're not talking about going crazy. I don't want anyone running up and down the aisle, like screaming and speaking in tongues or whatever. They're not talking about something like that. I'm saying the inward fire of the Holy Spirit that ignites you and changes your life forever. I think that's what those words are. And so that's what we're gonna, we're gonna sing. And I invite you, sing it as a prayer and know where we're coming from in this. That we're asking the God of the universe to, to send his Holy Spirit, sorry, send his Holy Spirit, but to manifest his Holy Spirit in such a way. We're, we're set on fire and saying, do what you want with us. Here we are. Does that make sense? Let me, uh, let me pray for us. God, just a, a simple prayer. I thank you for all of us in Christ that you've given us your Holy Spirit. I ask that we not take that for granted, take him for granted, and that we also try not to manipulate that. God, I'm praying that we would open up our hearts and our hands and really mean the words that we're about to sing. And God, that may bring revival to our very souls, our hearts, or even, even our ministry. And I don't, I don't really care what it looks like. I just pray that you would be faithful in showing that here tonight. I thank you for everyone that you brought here in this room to be able to sing this, this prayer via song tonight, God. So we, we give you our hearts. We ask that you do a work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.